Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're, we're so glad that you're here. I'd like to welcome all those in our South Campus. Let's uh, welcome them. Um, so glad to have uh, you worshiping with us, whether you're in this auditorium, our South Campus, or an atrium, or maybe those watching online. I hope you've had a great week. You know, when I hear that song, Through It All, my mind goes back to uh, the 1970s, and Andre Crouch was a huge star back then, probably one of the, the biggest stars of the decade. He had nine Grammys. And uh, I think about the era in which he was writing his music. It was a time of civil unrest. I remember uh, the calls to end the war in Vietnam, the calls to end racism, and the, uh, all of the injustices that went along with that, that season. It was a tough time. It was a dark time for our nation. I think about it, that was the time when abortion was legalized. It was the time that our vice president had to resign because of a tax scandal, when the Watergate scandal came to the forefront of um, the stage. All of that was going on, and all of that was going on in the culture, and, and I was at a season that we were going to church every week, and we would listen to music like that, through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God, and it gave us hope. It gave us hope that there was a better day coming, and that's what I want this service to be like for you. I want you to know that there is a better day coming. And yes, we're going to address real issues, real issues that, that we see unfolding every day. But we, as we watch these uh, things unfold, we have the confidence that God is with us and that he's going to be with us through it all. You know, a few weeks ago, the New York Times did a, a survey and they determined that uh, they asked 44% of likely voters, they said this, do you see that the pandemic and the economic turndown, do you see this as a call to faith or uh, a judgment of God or both? And they said both. There's no doubt that something's going on in our, our culture. How else do you explain a global pandemic? How else do you explain civil unrest in our nation? How else do you uh, explain the, the tension between the nations? How else do you explain the, the plague of locusts that are hitting East Africa right now? Or about, how about the wildfires the wildfires in Australia, and then the wildfires in California. You know, this week, there are 23 major wildfires going on in the state of California. And just this month, there's 11 earthquakes. Two weeks ago, Patty was getting ready for church, and she was drinking her coffee, and she said, Marty, she said, our house shook. She said, do you think we had an earthquake? This is Sunday afternoon. And I said, I don't know, let me look. And sure enough, at 8.07, there was an earthquake 5.1 in North Carolina that you could feel it in North Augusta. 
And so it's interesting that these things are unfolding. It really reminds me of the words of Romans chapter 8. It says the whole uh, creation is groaning um, and looking forward to the time of redemption. Well, there's no doubt that we are living in challenging and difficult seasons and difficult times. And uh, as a result of that, we, we have a lot of questions. And we wonder why. Why is this happening? Why do I have to go through this? Why am I suffering? Why is my family hurting? Why is this uh, pandemic um, uh, hitting us all? Why? And we ask all these questions. And then we wonder, okay, when we look at everything, we wonder, is this the beginning of the end? Is this the beginning of the end? You know, those questions like that we're having, they're not new. Do you know, even the disciples had some of the same questions, including what would it look like at the end of time? And what are the signs of the end of the age? Well, for generations, we've, we've pondered those questions. And today, I want to open up the pages of the Bible And I just want to give you God's Word. I want to give you some solid answers from God's Word. And so if you have your Bibles, you can look at Matthew chapter 24. As we look at this, what are the signs of the times and and what's uh, the end of the age look like? This section of the Bible in Matthew chapter 24 and chapter 25, it's called the Olivet Discourse. Okay? Uh, The longest sermon in the Bible was the Sermon on the Mount. This is the second longest sermon. It's called the Olivet Discord. Um, and what's the context? It was Wednesday of Holy Week, okay? It was Wednesday of Jesus' final week, final week, and he was crucified on Friday. On this particular day, he had gone into the temples to pronounce judgment on the religious leaders because of their hypocrisy. Because these religious leaders, instead of leading people closer to God, they were pushing people away from God. And so he he left the temple and he went down the Kidron Valley and he went up on the Mount of Olives and there he met with his disciples and he gave them this message that I'm about to share with you. It was there while looking down on the valley and looking up at the city of Jerusalem and specifically at the temple that he started to talk. About two years ago, Patty and I had an opportunity to go to Jerusalem and to sit in the very place where Jesus was giving this discourse. Here's a picture of that. And you're sitting up on the Mount of Olives. You're looking down through the Kidron Valley. You're looking up at the Dome of the Rock. And the Dome of the Rock is is situated on where the temple was in Jesus' day. It's interesting, you see the, um, um, the cemetery there, that is the oldest continuing cemetery in the world. And as we sat there, we thought about Jesus' words and what he was saying. As Jesus was speaking to the disciples that day, uh, they asked him, what's going to be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And so as we read this, I want you to remember and realize that the disciples did not understand at this point that Jesus was about to be uh, crucified. They didn't know that. And so um, they are listening to this, trying to understand what it means to them. So I want you, as you listen to this, to say, God, what are you saying to us and what does it mean to us? I want this to be more than just a history lesson, but let it be some insight into how God speaks and how God um, prepares us for what's coming. 
So we pick it up in Matthew chapter 24. It says, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately and said, tell us, tell us. So what shall be the, when will this happen? And what will be the sign of your coming of the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch that nobody deceives you. For many will come in my name claiming to be the Messiah and will deceive many. And you're gonna hear, yes, you're gonna hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still yet to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom will rise against kingdom and there's gonna be famines and there's going to be earthquakes in various places. He says, all of these are the beginning of birth pains. So very quickly, when we look at this passage of Scripture, specifically when we look at verses 4 through 12, you'll see that there are five signs that Jesus gives his disciples. He said that when these five signs come to pass, then you'll know it will be the end of the age and it'll be, uh, you'll be prepared for the second coming of Jesus. Now, let me say this is a very important statement, okay? that these signs that Jesus gave his disciples that day, these signs uh, are true and they're present in every generation and they will be increasingly visible as we approach the end of the age. So as I give you these five signs, just know this, that they're present in every generation. When I was a kid, they preached messages from this passage and they would draw current um, events and they would line it up with these passages because these signs are current in every generation. But the difference is at that last generation or the generation leading up to the end of the age, you'll see uh, these signs increase in intensity. They'll become more visible. So what are they? Here's the very first sign. There will be a spiritual deception. Spiritual deception. Jesus said, watch out that nobody deceives you for many will come in my name and, and uh, claiming that I'm the Messiah and when they come, they will deceive a lot of people. In every generation, there are charlatans that come. When I was a kid, uh, there was a guy that, uh, named Jim Jones and he had a cult and he took him down to Guyana and he had a mass suicide. He was a charlatan. He, he claimed that he was the Christ. Later on, we've seen people like David Koresh come to Waco, Texas and, and uh, establish a commune there, and he's saying that he is the Christ. So in every generation, you'll see people saying that they are Christ, they are the Messiah, and they will attempt to deceive people. As we get closer to the end of the age, you can expect that this type of behavior will only increase in intensity. Listen carefully to what Paul said to uh, Timothy. He said, the, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter days, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits. They will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and the things taught by demons. I think that the, the deception of Satan and uh, the doctrine of demons will come to a head during the seven years of the great tribulation period when the Antichrist himself 
Um, this great world leader will have the power to perform signs and wonders to deceive many people. In 2 Thessalonians, it says, the coming of the lawless one, that's the Antichrist, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance uh, with how Satan works. And he will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders to serve the lie. Satan is a liar. He is a father of lies. And he will use any type of manipulation to try to deceive uh, people into that. So uh, you uh, need to be on guard. Here's the point. The best defense against spiritual deception is the knowledge of spiritual truth. The best defense that you can have against the spiritual deception that you're going to face is to have the knowledge of spiritual truth. Have the Word of God in you. The Word of God will give you that solid foundation. The Word of God will give you that strength that when the rain comes and the storms um, beat against you personally, that you will be able to withstand the storms of life because your faith is built on a solid foundation. Your faith is built on God's Word. And so as you go through this, I want you to test everything and pray for a spirit of discernment, and God will show you the way in which you're to walk. I said there's five signs um, of the coming, the second coming. Here's the second sign. He said there will be international conflict, international conflict, international conflict. says, um, for you'll hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. These things must happen but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. You know, I think you'll always hear of wars and rumors of wars. In fact, if you look at the Greek translation of that, it's actually this verb tense, you will be hearing. So there will be this increasing uh, mention of uh, commotion and, and upheaval and just strife and chaos in the culture. And when you think about that, you look right now and and you see all the civil wars taking place in Africa. You see the strife between uh, Israel and all of the neighbors in the Middle East. They're constantly bickering in battle. Then you see our own war on terror that you start to understand that, that warfare is truly a sign of the end of the age. However, Jesus is saying here, don't be alarmed about that. Don't be alarmed because there will always be warfare. There will always be some sort of warfare until the prince of peace comes and establishes his millennial kingdom. And so there's a lot of different types of battles that we are going to be facing. And we will uh, have those traditional military-style battles. But in addition to that, there you will see a, an increase in biological warfare and maybe cyber war and, and this war on culture and this war on race, uh, races and, and so forth. You'll see all of this starting to increase in intensity as we get close to the end of the age. The third thing is there'll be natural disasters. He goes on to say in verse 7, there'll be famines and earthquakes in various places, and all these are just the beginning. They're just the beginning of birth pains. I'm I'm reminded um, about, like, uh, the locust in Africa. 
that would be a part of this. Uh, the fires in Australia and California. How about this, the murder hornets, the killer bees? I mean, if the coronavirus doesn't scare you enough to stay inside, that maybe the killer bees will. I mean, can you imagine that coming on? Now, Jesus uh, uh, shares this in the Gospel of Luke and adds a word to this. Listen to the words. He said, there will be a great earthquakes, famines, and then he adds, and pestilences in various places, fearful events, and great signs from heaven. Notice that word pestilences. What does that mean? Uh, pestilence is an outbreak of a disease on an epidemic level. COVID-19 is a pestilence. This pandemics, this pandemic and other pandemics that will follow, all of these are considered a pestilence and you will see pestilences increase as we get closer to the end of the age. These are just signs that point to the end of the age. Also, he says there will be a fierce persecution. And Matthew uh, chapter 24, it says, then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and to be put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. Now, we live in Augusta, Georgia. And we don't hear a lot about religious persecution in Augusta, Georgia. We're a faith-friendly community, and I praise God for that. In fact, several years ago, we were ranked the eighth most religious city in America. But in 2017, Life um, <clears throat> Research, Lifeway Research did uh, determined that Augusta, Georgia was the third most church-going city in America. Third most church-going city in America. So when we start thinking about uh, religious persecution, that's not something that all of us deal with on a regular basis. I think we're living under the favor of the Lord and the favor of our parents and our grandparents and our forefathers uh, that determined that this land was going to be a land that we put God first, and we've lived under that umbrella of favor. And I want so to provide that favor down to my children and my grandchildren that we let the word of God continue and bring protection. It's like that we're living under the favor of the Lord in this area, and I, and I am thankful to be here. And I'm telling you, all those who are watching online, you may be watching from all over America. This is a great place to live. You need to come, you need to move here, but let me say this, you better be nice to people. We don't need any mean people coming, but just come and be nice to people, okay? And this message is sponsored to you by the Augusta Chamber of Commerce. <laughs> just kidding. But seriously, <laughs> we are a family friendly, but, but he's, uh, the word is saying in the future, people are going to turn. People are going to turn. And you really see that even today. I was reading the Christian Post yesterday, and they spotlighted an Iranian pastor and his wife who were having a Bible study in their house like we would have a small group. They would call them a house church in their house. They were arrested for having a small group meeting in their house and sentenced to 15 years in prison. And so yesterday, they 
fled the nation and they're in hiding somewhere. So the Christian Post was highlighting that. And so that's still going on today. You know, 200 million people in the world live under uh, religious persecution because of their Christian beliefs. It's hard to believe, but when you look at, at nations like uh, Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia and North Korea and Iraq and Iran and Somalia and Samaria and, and uh, Syria and Egypt, the list goes on and on. You see, the persecution of Christians are on the rise. And so this is a part of this modern age that Christians are going to be persecuted. But let's just bring it closer to home. It's easy to look across the, the sea and, and say, yes, that's where it happens there, but not here. But how about just in America, just in the last few weeks? You know, we've seen a lot of chaos in the uh, country. And just let's spotlight Portland, Oregon. Just a few weeks ago, they, they gathered together and a, a group of anarchists uh, brought Bibles out and an American flag and burned it as to say that we don't respect the Bible and we don't respect uh, the flag. And so this type of anarchy, um, which is fueled by the devil himself, is trying to, um, uh, to increase, um, is, is trying to cause fear to rise up in people so that we will stay home and allow them to rule and reign. And so this battle is coming even on our own shore. So we just need to be fervent and we need to stand firm and understand that this is a spiritual battle and that we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against principalities and powers and that we need to stand firm in the faith. But these are signs, as you see this increase in intensity, just know that these are the beginning of birth pains. And the fifth one would be, there's a, there'll be a widespread apostasy there. Um, it says, and at that time, many will turn away from the faith and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. When you start seeing an increase in wickedness, just be, make a mental note. This is happening here. Um, you look at the words there, it says, when they turn away. This is the word apostasy. And apostasy means a falling away. And Jesus is saying one of the signs of his return is that when believers will fall away from their faith. Now, uh, only people who have had faith can be apostate, go apostate. You know, we're not talking about atheists here, okay? We're not talking about atheists. Atheists are not gonna fall away from something that they don't have but we're talking about people who have had faith, but they willingly renounce their faith. They willingly, they go apostate of their beliefs. And Jesus said that when you start to see that, understand that the end is near. And I just want to encourage all of us that we need to stay faithful to the Lord. One of my greatest concerns about COVID-19 and the whole uh, isolation movement within uh, this pandemic is that people will lose the, the fervency of their faith. 
that they will allow the things of this world to crowd out Jesus. And so we have to really be on, on guard that we uh, don't allow these circumstances that we're living in to take so front and center, but that we stay focused on the Lord and that we go after him, that we seek him and that we open up our lives to him and say, God, move. Because honestly, we need the power of the Lord now more than ever. And so we're not going to use COVID-19 as an excuse to backslide, as an excuse to be lukewarm, as an excuse to go apostate. But we're going to believe that this is going to usher in a new level of revival and intensity in faith. Now, these were five uh, signs that Jesus gave to his disciples that day on the Mount of Olives. And it's interesting that so many times people look at these signs and they try to pinpoint, well, when do you think it's going to happen? And there will be some people that come along the way and they will mark a day and say, well, this is when Jesus is going to come back. But that's not how it works. In fact, if you hear somebody say that, you can immediately think, okay, they're a false prophet. Because listen to the uh, verse 36, but about that day or hour, no one knows. No one. Not at the angels in heaven, nor even Jesus himself. Only the heavenly Father knows. And so when you hear people saying that he's going to return on this day or that day, just take a breath and say, okay, that's not what the scripture says here. Jesus said you can't know the time or the day, and he is doing this so that we will constantly be ready. But now we, we think about uh, the end of the age and the, these signs, and oftentimes, especially in my growing up, uh, they, they would use passages of Scripture like this to scare the living daylights out of you. Man, I remember as a kid, uh, they preached this so fervently that it was like, it was about to happen. They, they, they talked about 666. They talked about this big computer in Belgium called the Beast. And, and they talked about uh, all of these things happening. They would even sing songs like, I wish we had all been ready. There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. I mean, they would sing. That's a real song. That's a real song. And that is a song that scared the daylights out of me. And if that wasn't bad enough, it was like they would say, we're having movie night at the church on Sunday night. And you'd gather for a movie and you'd watch something, a low-budget rapture film like the, the Thief in the Night. And, and you would watch that and you would run to the altar every Sunday night because I know one thing, I didn't want to be left behind. And I'd probably colored on the walls this week or something like that and committed some big sin and I was sure that I didn't want to be left behind. And they, so they use this message to really incite fear. I don't want that. I don't want to do that today. I want to incite hope and confidence that through it all, you can learn to trust in Jesus. Through it all, you can learn to trust in God. And that, yes, you may go through storms and you may go through difficulties, but you will not go through these things alone. But God is going to be with you through it all. Now, as I was praying over this this week, 
I came to realize that there are some of you that as you're listening to me talk, this does not resonate with you at all. It just doesn't. Now, some of you are intrigued because you have this uh, propensity to learn about these things. But there's a group of here that just doesn't resonate. And as I was thinking about that group, that this message just doesn't resonate. It just, it hit me that people cannot connect with the message of the end of times or the end of the age because honestly, they're at a point in their life where they feel like they're at the end of their rope. That they're in such a desperate situation that they're not worrying about what's gonna take place in the future. They're just trying to get through the day. They're just trying to get through the week. They're at the end of their rope. And so as I was praying about that, I really felt like that I needed to share three prayers with you. And these prayers are important. The first one is this. It's very simple. And you know me, I'm all about simple prayers. The first prayer that I want us to pray as a group and as an individual too is God save me. God save me. Now for those of you that have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, that is a very serious prayer. God save me. I get, make me into the kind of person you'd have me to be. Just change my life. Forgive me. But do you realize that that word save in the New Testament Greek actually has a double meaning? It means salvation as we preach it, but it also means healing. God save me, but God heal me. Do you need healing today? Do you need healing in your body? Well, what about that relationship with that spouse or that relationship with that friend or that relationship at work? Do you need healing? What about that fear that you're struggling with and that worry that you're struggling? Do you need healing? Would it be appropriate to say, God, heal me today? God, save me today? We have an opportunity to call on the name of the Lord and for God to save us. For God to heal us. You know, I think about the signs of the time. One thing that I am waiting for, and that is a, a massive revival, because the Bible says that in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. I believe that one sign of the end of the age will be that there will be a massive Pentecostal revival that, that covers this place. This covers this place. I'll tell you, this past week I was talking to a, a pastor friend of mine, and he just let me know that I have no faith. Seriously. Well, I was talking to him, and, and Jeff said, Samarty said, and he's having probably the same kind of attendance that we're having percentage-wise. We're a larger church. But he said, I'm really concerned. I said, what are you concerned about? He said, Marty, there's a revival coming, and I am concerned that we don't have enough seats in our auditorium for the revival that God is bringing to this place. And I thought, oh, Lord, God, forgive me for my unbelief. He challenged my faith, but he is already seeing that this uh, season is going to turn, and we believe that there will be hundreds and even thousands of people saying, God, save me, God, heal me, and there's a massive revival that will flood uh, our nation as a result of this. 
so we don't have to hang our head down and be defeated because truly our redemption draws nigh and that means that Jesus the Redeemer is going to come and set people free. Amen. Amen. And so we pray, God, save me. God, heal me. That word is sozo. God, heal me. God, save me. Here's the second prayer I want you to pray today. I want you to pray, God, help me to surrender. Help me to surrender. Because could it be there are things going on in your life that you just need to let go of these things? You need to surrender this situation to the Lord. You need to surrender this problem. You need to surrender this addiction. You need to surrender this fear. You need to surrender this worry. God, I am giving this over to you. And there are days I get up and I do that. I surrender to the Lord. I give this situation to the Lord. By three o'clock, I picked it up again. I give it, God, I'm giving this to you. And I, I go out in, in the morning and I have victory over it. But lunchtime hits me and by three o'clock, I am saddled with this weight once again. Some of you know what I'm talking about because that's your story. That you carry this weight, you carry this burden, you carry this stress in your life. And this stress is so intense that it's eating at you from the inside out. And the Lord would just simply say to you, Surrender, give it over to the Lord. Those in our South Campus, give it over to the Lord. Give this situation, give this challenge, give this stress, give this problem. Say, God, I surrender to you. I said, we're gonna pray three prayers. And the final prayer is this, God help me serve. God help me serve. And some of you are thinking like, okay, Marty, so I get the first two because I am really with my back against the wall, but I don't get this help me serve. Do you realize that when you serve and you give to others that it comes back and touches you? That's why you feel better when you give, when you feel better when you help somebody. God, help me serve. I, I pray this prayer for me personally. God, help me to help others. I pray that... Uh, on a regular basis, God help me to help others because there's something powerful about serving. There's something powerful about rolling up your sleeves and, and serving, and it's specifically when you're serving those that cannot pay you back. You know, a lot of times we serve people that can pay us back because, you know, one day we're going to need help and we're going to look to them. And so they'll come back and help us, and it's almost like a contract. I'll help you then, now if you help me then. I'm not talking about that. What about when we roll up our sleeves and we give or we serve to somebody that can't help us back? I think when we do that, we're more like Jesus. We're giving a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. We're helping to feed or to clothe. And that's why I feel like the, uh, the work at the Dream Center and Kelly's work at the, leading the charge at the Dream Center and all of you who volunteer at the Dream Center is so important. Because we learn what it means to give. We learn what it means to serve. So today, we're going to pray that. God, help me to be a servant. Help me to give. So are you ready? Are you ready to pray? Okay, let's stand together. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray that your presence would be in this room. I pray, God, that as we, uh, as we think about this, as we consider what's going on in our world let us consider what's going on in our souls right now. 
Father, there are people here that have never made a decision to follow Christ, and today is that day. And if that's you, I want you to pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, save me. Just say that. Say, Jesus, save me. In our South Campus, say, Jesus, save me. Forgive me of my sins. Say this. Say, make me into the person that you would have me be. God, help us. Father, I pray right now that, that, that you would bring healing to us. God, that you would bring healing in the name of Jesus. Those individuals that are suffering right now with sickness and disease, those of you that have loved ones that are suffering right now with COVID-19, I pray in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that healing would come. So right now, as you think about those, I want you to call those names out that come to your mind, those people that are suffering, and just I want you to speak their name. Some of you will say, God, heal me. Others, will, you'll say, God, heal, and just name their name right now. Say, in the name of Jesus, we're praying for healing. We're praying against cancer. We're praying against heart disease. We're praying that, bring, that you would bring healing and wholeness to our lives. And for those of you who are suffering right now, I want you to say, God, I, I receive that. I receive this healing. Now, Father, we pray, Lord, for, that you would stir up the gifts in this room. That you would stir up gifts right here in this room. That you would help us be servants. That we would be a light in our community. We would be a light uh, in this nation. And so, Father, I just ask that you would release the gifts of your spirit across this congregation and that, Lord, we would embrace our calling and our purpose. Help me to help others. Help us, God, to help others. So now, Lord, we receive from you. I want you to put your hands up like this, like this. And, uh, and say, Father, I receive, say that I receive what you have for me. I receive what you have for me. I receive your help. I receive your encouragement. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your strength. I receive your anointing that's gonna break the yoke of the bondage that holds us back. I receive your power in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.